Welcome to Insight Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting, a global strategy consultancy that helps business leaders seize competitive advantage and amplify growth. Insight Exchange is our forum dedicated to the free, open, and unbiased exchange of the insights and ideas that are driving business into the future. We exchange insights with the brightest minds of the day, the most daring innovators, and the doers who are right now rebuilding the world around us. The confluence of several key trends in U.S. healthcare, including an aging population, shifts away from inpatient care, and a rise in healthcare consumerism has led to an increased emphasis on post-acute care, particularly care that permits aging in place. In this episode, we'll get insights regarding opportunities for health systems and investors within post-acute and end-of-life care. With us today, we have Kevin Grabenstatter, Managing Director and Partner in LEK Consulting San Francisco office, and Rosie Vig, Principal in our healthcare practice. Hi, I am Rosie Vig. I am a Principal out of the LEK San Francisco office. Been working with the firm for over seven years now. I've spent a fair amount of that time working within healthcare services alongside Kevin, who is our resident expert in the provider space. Um, Kevin started his career at LEK and then left us briefly to develop his operational chops at Kaiser. Lucky for us, he's decided to come back and has done a great deal of development and growth of the provider sub-practice. Um, Kevin, anything I've missed or anything you'd like to add? Thanks for the intro, Rosie. It's great to be here. Um, uh, we are two members that have been building the provider practice at LEK for a number of years now um, and have certainly seen a lot of growth and change, including in the areas of post-acute and end-of-life care. So looking forward to discussing that today. Great. So to get started, we all know that the population, the U.S. population is aging. I believe the latest stat I've seen on this is that one in every five Americans will be above the age of 65 by 2030. We also know that while this group accounts for you know, less than 15% of the population, it represents a disproportionate amount of healthcare spend. Given those dynamics, Kevin, can you speak to the impact on, on inpatient care as well as the post-acute and, and home-based care uh, market? Well, I think it's fair to say that we don't have a client on the provider side at LEK today that is not uh, acutely aware of supply-demand imbalances uh, from a labor perspective and thinking really hard about the future and how that's going to look. Uh, with the with the aging population, with the baby boomers, you know, aging into some uh, high utilization years uh, in, in their lifespan, um, as well as uh, the labor shortages that have obviously only been accelerated uh, in the COVID nineteen pandemic era. Uh, th that is a question that every operator is continuing to ask themselves, and we think that this you know labor supply constrained environment is something that. Um, is going to require a lot of strategic thought uh, for years to come. That's in the hospital setting, uh, it is in ambulatory care, and it is certainly the case uh, in post-acute care and care in the home. Uh, we, if you just run the numbers, uh, we're going to need an army <laughs> that we don't, we don't of, of a size that we don't currently have today uh, in the U.S. Uh, and so, figuring out um, how to manage that. Um, and there are a lot of different strategies for doing that, I think is going to be, a, a, again, a key topic for strategic focus for years to come. Right. 
I think the other dynamics that kind of come into play is just the role of the, of the payer and the extent to which they're pushing for lower cost care settings for this population, as well as, you know, preferences among the population itself and, and the desire to want to age uh, within the home. Um, and so those are also two dynamics that I think come to mind as it relates to, to this population. Those are great points. And, and, and again, just, you know, tailwind, so to speak, from a demand perspective. So, you know, as we think about where that supply might come from, um, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but I think um, virtual has to be a part of the solution there. Um, and uh, uh, extenders, <laughs> real or virtual, um, to, to find new and novel ways to expand our supply to be able to care for folks uh, in the, in the home, uh, where much of the care is going today, and, and really across the post acute care continuum. And and Kevin, what are your thoughts around the COVID impact? Right, very hot topic when you really talk about healthcare in general these days. But as it relates to to this population, the post acute care space, um, and and end of life care as well, how do you think about the impact of COVID? Well, it would be hard to write a more difficult script uh, than the last couple of years for the nursing home industry. Um, it, it is, you know, we've all become very aware uh, of some of the challenges from an infection control perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, in our opinion, you know, things that have uh, existed in, in, you know, certain segments of, of the post-acute care, especially the facility-based post-acute care landscape for a long time uh, and is only now coming to light. Uh, so it's it's going to continue to be an era of change. Um, nursing homes aren't going anywhere. They play a critical role, as we all know, uh, within within the care continuum and, and for patient care. Um, but uh, you know, managing in an environment where there's more of a spotlight on infection control and overall quality, as well as all the other trends that post acute care operators are dealing with today. Um, including the need to manage relationships with payers, with providers, to be a referral destination of choice, um, and manage uh, you know a changing economic landscape for U.S. healthcare. Um, it, it really is a challenging time, um, and I think we've felt that again in the conversations we've had with clients ar- around the country. Um, and uh, it, you know, it, it looks like the pace of change isn't going to slow down anytime soon. Right. And I think kind of related to your mention of telehealth, right? When you think about some of the some of the positives that have come out of COVID, certainly folks talk about the digital how the world is becoming increasingly digitized, right? In terms of the use of digital solutions. So telehealth is certainly one of them, but there's also solutions that one can deploy even when you think about caregivers and um, supporting caregivers as they deal with this population as well. Absolutely. I mean, they are more often than not the key decision makers, um, and uh, you know, finding finding ways to make sure um, that the caregiver is included and feeling a part of the overall care plan is critical. And I think technology can play a key role in that. Uh, you and I have done quite a bit of work on some HCIT solutions uh, that can help extend the reach of provider systems, of payers, um, and, and from a quality and a, and a care experience perspective, um, really uh, make sure that that reach is, 
you know, reaching the caregivers uh, as well as the patient themselves. Right. Well, next, I'd like to focus our conversation in on the topic of hospice specifically. You know, what should we know about the hospice market and how that market's evolving? Well, I think I should be asking you the questions on this topic, Rosie, mm-hmm. uh, since you're, you're, you're definitely an expert. Um, but, um, you know, hospice is a market at LEK um, that we have been watching for many years, uh, going back to our, you know, uh, one of our first forays, which was a you know, strategy assignment for a nonprofit called Zen Hospice uh, in the city of San Francisco. And um, we've really only seen it continue to grow. There remain wide disparities in the utilization of hospice, how soon patients um, are referred into hospice, and of course, quality of care. Um, and we think that those disparities will continue to shrink uh, in the direction of increased hospice uh, hospice usage. Um, you know, one of the one of the key things for hospice operators is making sure that they can. Um, you know, get patients at the right point in time, which generally today means extending the length of stay um, earlier to earlier admission. Um, And really just the knowledge and acceptance of hospice care um, in terms of its ability to meet patient desire to be in the home um, and physician comfort with referring into hospice. And, you know, those are all things that we think will continue to push up the utilization rate of hospice amongst uh, the eligible uh, senior population. Right. And I, th- I think all great points. I think, you know, in addition to that, you do have the regulatory landscape to consider, right? Um, you've got a, a dynamic around Medicare Advantage in terms of being able to be reimbursed through MA plans that previously didn't exist prior to the 2021 year. And so that should help drive further adoption of these solutions. You can't read a healthcare publication these days without hearing about growth in MA. Um, so that's also something to kind of think about as it relates to, to trends in this marketplace. Rosie, I think it would be great to get your thoughts on micro market analysis too. And hospice is a great example. I think we too often see generalizations uh, uh, about U.S. healthcare, and, and when we at LEK in our project work dig into specific metropolitan areas, specific regional markets, there are so many differences. Um, and, you know, maybe sharing a bit about how we approach that, um, that zeroing in on the, the real pro- provider, payer, patient dynamics in a given market or region because um, I, I, it is it is just so important in the work that we do. Absolutely. I mean, in, consistently you're going to hear healthcare is local, and certainly that applies in the hospice space as well, right? Um, and there are several criteria that we at LEK have used to assess geographic market attractiveness. You know, from supply, demand, and balance dynamics to referral network dynamics, as well as competitive intensity. And I think you know when we approach projects of that nature. You know, can't preface enough how critical it is to be thoughtful about how one interprets the prioritization criteria, right? So, for example, if you're looking at higher utilization of hospice relative to hospitals for an end-of-life care, um, you know, that likely indicates a population that's receptive to hospice care, but could also imply that the market's fairly saturated. And so you have to kind of look at the broader context. Similarly, lower volumes of 
hospice, uh, nurse, full-time employees uh, per you know, senior population may suggest unmet demand, but upstream referral dynamics, um, as well as patient receptivity um, to hospice services in general, may need to be pressure tested to kind of confirm assumptions of that nature. Similarly, you know, you have re regulatory components at play here as well in terms of certificate of need laws, right? So while, while certificate of need laws can, can make establishing a de novo facility more difficult for, for out-of-state providers, if you're a provider located within a certificate of need state, you can benefit from the limited competition from those out-of-state providers as well. So those are some of the things that we often think about as we're thinking about ways to prioritize and think about the, the geographic landscape as it relates to, to really any healthcare market, but certainly health, um, hospice. Excellent points, Rosie. Um, and, and again, just so critical to dig in further than, than you know, top level national generalities, as interesting as those trends have been recently in the post-acute care space. But local markets right. vary so much. Um, and, you know, on, you know, on the topic of, you know, hospital-based health systems, thinking about how they can foray into post-acute care effectively, well, it really depends on, uh, you know, what post-acute care options look like in their own backyard. Well, that's actually a great segue because my next question is, was related to, to those particular stakeholders in terms of hospitals and health systems. So to what extent um, do you believe that hospitals and health systems are benefited by an end-of-life strategy and that involves hospice? I think it's critical. Um, the, you know, it, it is and has been for some time increasingly the case um, that health systems cannot wait for their patients to just show up in the emergency room or for the scheduled surgery. How do they build a relationship that transcends acute care, urgent touch points with that patient and, and really helps to help them manage their care throughout their life? Um, you know, and from that perspective, uh, a strategy in post-acute care um, and a conversation uh, as a trusted healthcare advisor to the patient around end-of-life care, there's no entity that's better positioned for that uh, than the physician uh, and the health system typically these days, more often than not, uh, that employs or is closely aligned with that physician. Right. Great. No, all great points. I think some of the high-level things that I've seen mentioned in regards to this is really, you know, there's the cost component and the value in terms of driving down costs, particularly if you're a hospital or health system who's adopted uh, value-based care payment arrangements. Um, certainly, there's the, the quality argument to be made in terms of, you know, serving this population and the extent to which that has impact on readmission rates. Um, and, and whatnot. And then, of course, there's also just the patient satisfaction piece as well, right? Comfort and satisfaction at the end of life can be quite critical. Um, and so those are things that increasingly um, hospitals and health systems are, are thinking about from a value perspective as they kind of, particularly in markets, getting back to that geographic point, particularly in, in markets where you're competing um, with other, other systems for those lives. I think it, it, it is a natural manifestation of consolidation and integration trends that we have seen across U.S. healthcare, across segments for years now, in which we believe are secular trends that are going to continue for years to come. Uh, the health system as one point in the care continuum 
is, you know, quickly becoming uh, old-fashioned thinking. Well, so shifting a bit to a slightly different set of stakeholders, um, what do you believe to be the implications for hospice providers and investors as it relates to the the topics that we're covering here? Well, I think that um, like physician practice generally, uh, which, you know, some might argue is the last great cottage industry in America, there are real opportunities uh, to, to professionalize and standardize care. Um, there, are, there are benefits to consolidation um, and there are benefits to smart money, so to speak, moving into segments of healthcare um, you know, to, imp- to improve care uh, when incentives are aligned appropriately. Um, I think we think that post-acute care and hospice in particular uh, present great opportunities uh, for investors that have healthcare chops and capabilities and, and ideally um, some advisors, including operating partners that can you know, really help them to develop a platform that is effective and meets the market's needs uh, because that need is very real. And there is uh, indeed a hunger uh, on behalf of payers uh, and patients and caregivers, as we talked about earlier, uh, for effective uh, services in hospice. Right. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. This has been a very insightful conversation here having with you and want to close with any last words. I really appreciate uh, the time and the questions today, Rosie, uh, and it has been great uh, working with you uh, across the provider landscape. Um, this is, you know, there's probably no uh, more interesting time to be a, a management consultant in the healthcare industry. Uh, and, you know, we think that uh, these, these key strategic questions, some of which we talked about today, um, are going to be, you know, continue to be important things for operators and investors and, and health systems uh, to be considering what their responses will be uh, to them in, in the years to come. Thank you so much. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us today at the Insight Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting. Links to resources mentioned in this podcast can be found in the show notes. Please subscribe or follow for future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, we encourage you to submit your suggestions for future insights online at lek.com.